Aaron is fired up. All done. <laughs> the 20th of November, and that means lawn care outside of the factory. <laughs> it makes perfect sense. Oh my god, that is that is terrible. It's the 26th episode of um, of our sixth season. Yeah. Can you believe it? We're almost, we're almost getting to the end. End of the season. Season. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not no, the end of the is, podcast. Oh, this, no. This train. No, no. Oh, no. This train <laughs> keeps a rolling. This train keeps a rolling all night long. Hi, I'm Aaron. I'm Matt. I'm tired, Matt. You look tired. I feel tired. You need a shot of espresso or no, something. Oh. You know what? It's having the opposite effect now. The caffeine is, like, bioaccumulating and losing its effectiveness. I, I think I've burned out the receptors, <laughs> and, and now I'm, like... <laughs> Every time I add caffeine to it, it just makes me more tired. Oh, no. Yeah. I, That's what happens after ESA. Yeah. Yeah, we were just at the National Entomological We, we totally Society. lied, Matt. We you, said we were going to podcast I, at ESA. Yeah. We, promised our, we promised our listeners, and we just totally lied. Yeah. Brought the equipment. We it, did. It, it, it just didn't trunk. happen. It's just too overwhelming. It was in the trunk, and I felt bad the entire time because I thought... Like we, we packed this. this. Yeah, we should do it. But when was there time? There was no time. Was there ever any? Was there ever a time when you thought, yeah, okay, yeah, we could podcast right now. We yeah. could do this. Yeah, no. It, it never came up. It was another one of the meetings where it was packed morning till actually evening. Most of my evenings were still packed with work stuff. I had one one case where um, I saw a buddy I hadn't seen in five years, six yeah. years. And actually, the last time I saw him, he was given a seminar here, and I didn't really get to spend time with him. So it had been about a decade since I sat down and talked to this guy. Yeah. And uh, he said, hey, what are you doing for dinner? And um, I had another um, person I was going to eat dinner with, but I said, yeah, you want to come out? It'd be great. And he's like, well, is this a business dinner, or is this like a, a just friendly dinner? I said, no, it'll be friendly. It won't be business. We talked science and work so much business and and it was like it, it got real specific because mm-hmm. uh, it turned out the two people i was eating with john tooker from penn state university and fabian manalid who's a weed ecologist scientist from uh, montana state uh, they had a lot in common about you know how do you inform farmers about climate change mm. and uh, yeah, and I just sat back. I was like, "Yeah, this wasn't going to be a business meeting." <laughs> but but they we were can't like, help it. Yeah, we're so excited about what we do. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and it's but that excitement is exhausting. Because by the end, I was walking down. Tell me if you do this. Um, first day, you see all these people, hugs, and hey, it's great to see you. Fantastic. And you, well, and you, me not so much hugs, but maybe more you. <laughs> I give them a friendly nod. You, you, you're you're not a hugger. <laughs> Yeah, a few people I am. A few people? A few people. Oh, that's sweet. Mm-hmm. But you know what I'm saying. Like, yeah, you know, like, high oh. energy. Yeah, but you can't walk down the hallway without, is that the, sorry. That's the mower. The mower. It's, mm-hmm. by the way, for our listeners, that's 20th of November, and we're going to get to the entomology talk. We're going to get to the, the pest stuff, but it's the 20th of November, and somebody's mowing before a snowstorm. <laughs> it makes you angry. Yeah. Anyway. All right, so getting back to the, uh, you're walking down the hallway, you see all these people you haven't yeah. seen in a decade, yeah. and then what? You know, you, you can't get anywhere. Yeah. So by the second day, I was walking with my face either in my cell phone or head down looking at the ground because mm-hmm. I knew if I made eye contact with somebody, yeah. you'd be like, yeah. hey, how you doing? What's Chat up? it up for 10 and, minutes, yeah. yeah. And you would get 
you get nowhere. Yeah. yeah. I had the same experience. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's people that you don't, like you said, you don't see them for five, ten years, and you really are interested in what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. But it's and hard. And it's, it's like that multiplied by 100. Yeah. Hey, what are you doing? I, and yeah. then you end up saying the same thing. Not you, because yeah. you, you are a multifaceted flower that is... <laughs> That was weird. Lines growing everywhere. But I end up saying the same thing over and over again, and I just get bored of myself. (laughs) I don't want to talk to anybody because I'm tired of... You're tired of talking about yourself? Wow. Wow. (laughs) This is amazing. Yeah, I don't feel good about myself. (laughs) I don't want to talk about this anymore. So do you want to tell, or maybe we could recap the first awesome thing that happened at ESA for us this year? First, yeah. We got there Saturday. Yeah. Our symposium that we were moderating, we organized. At 8 a.m. 8 0 0 Sunday morning. I was expecting us and maybe the speakers that were, you know, on deck. Yeah. Yeah. It was packed. Yeah. The room had, what, 50 plus people? People were standing along the wall? I kept track. Oh, you did? Yeah, I kept track of attendance. That's awesome. It was, I think we topped out at about 75. Wow. And uh, it was standing room. Yeah. In the back, people. Yeah, eight o'clock, and then Sunday morning. And uh, for those that are interested, we were talking about the cost and benefits of neonicotinoid seed treatments in a lot of different systems. For annual crops. Yeah, for annual annual crops. crops. Yeah. So we had what? Corn, soybean, sunflower. Cotton. Cotton. Cotton is common. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I was shocked. So that was great. We got a lot of compliments. And I had a few people that said, thank you for bringing together a group of applied people. And it was information that they could take with them. It wasn't like so specific like you were talking about that it wasn't useful to them. So the other part of that is um, the discussion. So usually this works out. You have a, uh, what, we had seven speakers? Yeah. Um, and then you schedule breaks and, you know, like some introductory remarks, but at the end you put discussion. And um, our discussion was started at 1045. By the way, by the way, uh, you did a great job of uh, uh, getting me prepared for this because you, you printed out everybody's name and title yeah. and everything. Yeah. So I, I could just look at that and, and do an introduction. I'm glad you did the we, introduction. We kept people on yeah. t- time. Yeah. And we, we started the discussion about 1045. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just was, open. Yeah. It was 1145 when people, when we, we said, you know, yeah. we're done. You know, yeah. We got to kind of wrap up because there was stuff going on at yeah. noon that uh, people needed to get to. I couldn't believe it. Because usually it's like one or two questions or no questions if and people that. disperse. Yeah, if that, yeah. And so yeah. maybe it was maybe it was a good thing it was early because people still had energy to ask questions, hang around, mm-hmm. instead of like day five or day four where it's just like, okay, I, yeah, I, I am interested, to, but yeah. Yeah, I got a plane to catch or... I'm burnt know, out on coffee. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice call back. <laughs> yeah, because then the coffee was still having its effect. But it was, you know what, it was fine. It was a... Um, uh, it was a good, it was a good, and it was a discussion. Yeah. You know, we had, uh, should we call out the people that were there? Sure. Uh, Fred Musser gave a talk from um, Mississippi State. And his was on the impact of neonicotinoid seed treatments on Mid-South crops. So that was corn, wheat. Multi-state, multi-location. Wheat, corn. Corn, cotton. Soybean. Yeah. Mike McCarville uh, from Bear Crop Science talked about seed treatments and their role in crop production and IPM. 
uh, really thoughtful talk. I guess, that was that was it interesting. Was, he puts a lot of time into some meta analysis of seed treatments, yeah, particularly of soybean, but he showed a few different crops as well. And, and then de- delving deep into that data set to look at how IPM, or at least in the case of soybeans, scouting would or wouldn't, and, and scouting and then using a, a, a foliar applied insecticide, how that would or wouldn't reduce risk and either re- substitute for or complement um, uh, a seed treatment. He's our boy. Yeah, graduate of <laughs> Iowa State. Yeah, doing really well. Uh, and yeah. then uh, Kelly Tillman talks specifically about soybeans in a cost-benefit analysis from multi-state research on insecticidal seed treatment in soybeans. And this is work that is um, summarizing data from many states, and she had many of our colleagues um, yeah. from around the north-central region. Our first break, and then uh, it was supposed to be Nicholas Tinsley, uh, a postdoc scientist at University of Illinois, but it ended up being Paul Mitchell, who's an economist, talk about field-level economic benefits of neonicotinoid seed treatments in corn and soybean. So this is really interesting because Kelly Tillman, formerly of South Dakota State, now transitioning to the Ohio State, um, she basically said, uh, or at least what I took from her message is, uh, seed treatments really don't pay for soybeans. Soybean aphid, specifically. Well, soybeans, and then when you're managing soybean aphid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. But but even though she focused on soybean aphids, those crops were exposed to other pests, right? Yeah. Well, Paul took that data and then did an economic analysis. He's uh, an economist? He is an economist. What? No, it's just I, I'm happy that we could bring someone like that yeah. to our bug yeah. meeting. Yeah, yeah. And it was interesting because I was like, what is, he, he was working from the same data. Yeah. What is he going to show us that Kelly hadn't already? But it amazing it was kind of like wow he can put dollars yeah yeah and then show patterns that weren't immediately apparent mm-hmm. when the entomologist showed us yield and and there was some cost benefit stuff that that the entomologist showed but paul took it to another level yeah and then he revealed in one so he had all these states you know data from all these states did you catch the one thing from iowa it was negative yeah so including the seed treatment over a lot of different conditions it was what one and a half like one and a half bushels lost by using a seed treatment it totally was confusing to him and i'm sure me and and everybody else yeah and he's like hey look this goes against this is what the data show you know i I set up this model economic model i took your data put it in and and across multiple states uh seed treatments showed some benefit Mm -hmm. right sometimes some greater than others but in iowa yeah, it was a loss, and he, and he was a bit at a loss of what to uh, mm-hmm. say about that. Oh. Interesting to you? Extremely. That's, I think, what, when I go to extension meetings, that's what resonates with them, is, okay, okay, environmental, non-toxic, or non-targets, da-da-da-da-da, but what's the bottom line? Mm-hmm. Um, it's a return on investment, and it's dollars per acre. Yeah. And then the next speaker took it to a very different level. This is Christy. Christy Belay. I called her Christine. She gets to listen to our podcast. Yeah, gets to. (laughs) You know what? That she gave kind kind of a historical perspective of aphids and specifically a predator harmonia or the multicolored Asian lady beetle. It brought up another 
positive impact of our podcast. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah and yeah, that's yeah, a historical yeah, aspect. Yeah. Like we said, she got she she listened to our podcast over the years to get a sense of soybean aphid pressure, not only in Iowa, but sometimes we talk a little bit broader about the North Central region. And I was like, I never thought of our podcast as serving as a historical record. Ref- yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So she wanted to see how um, the that the there, there's a bit of a mystery that she was trying to solve, mm-hmm. which was there has been a increase in this lady beetle. Um, it's an invasive. Yeah. Yep. Uh, there was a bit of an increase, then a huge increase, and then it it, it went back to um, more erratic, more dampened. Yeah. Yeah. Low low levels. Since 2005, was and, it? Um, like she called that third phase. Yeah. So there were three phases. Kind of a you know, it arrived in the United States, it was, it was uh, present, kind of a, you know, kind of normal, well, what do you, how do you describe normal for a species that didn't occur in North America? Would you say like a classic invasion? Yeah, it kind of shows up and it starts to pick up a little bit. And then it's got something to eat, like soybean aphid. And then when the, yeah, so there was this, this pre-soybean aphid invasion, then the soybean aphid uh, shows up and mm-hmm. it explodes. Mm-hmm. But then, after about four or five years, it goes back to that first phase, and, mm-hmm. and, and, and even below in some mm-hmm. places. Uh, and she was trying to solve this mystery, and, and she showed it. I, I don't know, what did you think? Did you think she, she nailed it in terms of connecting the dots? Yeah, she w- I think she was trying to say sea treatments could play a part in that yeah. third phase of why, you know, with the overall suppression of soybean aphids you're not going to have as much food for predators i think she could have made a little bit stronger statements with her data but so i'm not sure if it's like an ongoing thing but the data convinced you yeah yeah and so uh i'm a co-author on the paper that came out of this i'm a little (laughs) you know a little bit more than what i know well i well i i thought she told the story uh well Mm -hmm. and, and it was complete that uh the mystery is that this decline in the harmonia the lady beetle population uh, she shows that at that decline, there was also a decline in soybean aphid populations, going back to you know mm-hmm. listening to our podcast. And, and it wasn't just our podcast. She, a lot of other yeah. resources, yeah. Um, but, but she did this for a regional, um, created a regional data set of that. And then the, the, the third piece was while the aphid is declining and the lady beetle is declining, the use of seed treatments is increasing. Mm-hmm. And she said, look, it wasn't all soybeans being treated, but it looks like there was enough soybeans being treated that you get this area-wide suppression. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was kind of interesting, you yeah. know, the, that even though the economists and the entomologists on a field level are showing, yeah, you don't get a lot of benefit from using a seed treatment. I mean, you can't use it to be the only way you manage soybean aphids. Yeah. But when you start taking in aggregate all of these fields, mm-hmm. there's some evidence that, yeah, you're getting area-wide mm-hmm. suppression. It's kind of like the Hutchison paper that talked about area-wide adoption of BT for corn borers. Yeah. Um, because yeah. it was on a, a, a adopted on a large scale, uh, dampened the overall population. And so even if you weren't using BT, you still benefited yeah. from those that were using BT. So mm-hmm. it, it becomes... Uh, for us, kind of challenging, well, for everybody that's interested in this stuff, challenging to take what goes on the field level and then think mm-hmm. about what goes on yeah. at the landscape level. Yeah. Yeah, it was a really good talk.
And then uh, J.P. Michaud from uh, Kansas State University talked about the non-target effects of insecticidal seed treatments on beneficial insects and sunflowers. What do you think of that? Highly interesting. I, I didn't think about the extra floral nectaries, I think he called them. Yeah. And sunflower as being just a hydration source for everything out there. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, yeah. So I did my gets dry. Yeah, I use I did my master's in, in sunflower, and that's not really what I was I was studying a pest. But, yeah, there are so many insects in sunflower. It's just a resource for pollen, for everything. Yeah. And the, uh, so extra nectaries for people not listening, these are things other than flowers on a plant that produce nectar. And sometimes what they're on the stem, mm-hmm. sometimes they're at the base of a, a leaf. Mm-hmm. Um, just provide a quick little drop of hydration and and a little bit of sugar yeah uh, yeah and so a lot of predators he was showing feed on these on sunflowers and I, I, I had to step out at one point so did he show that they that these extra floral nectaries when the plant is grown with a seed treatment do those do those have nicotinoid neonicotinoid in them if I remember correctly, yes, but he was using very, very young plants, young sunflower. Oh, okay. Okay. And so I don't think he was using like fully grown plants. So he mm-hmm. was using like when the stems were very small still. So not okay. like a typical, you know, an older plant. So I think he was showing that it is possible to do that. I think he said basically, I don't know how long this would be doing that in the field. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So but another yeah. possible route of exposure mm-hmm. to these nicotinoids, neonicotinoids, uh, for insects that you, we, we don't want to be exposed to. Right, them. yep. And there was some effect. He was showing that they, they're not as, what, they don't live as long? And he was looking at fecundity or the reproductive potential of insects mm-hmm. was reduced. And then the last speaker was uh, a real special one, uh, Stephen Bradbury, who had a 30-year career at 30 plus year career at EPA and he talked about the and now um, the faculty here at Iowa State University um, he talked about the cost-benefit analysis and US pesticide registrations options for neonicotinoid seed treatments that was interesting totally different perspective yeah um, than the previous speakers which is good and kind of a regulatory almost like the wording you know is yeah. is just yeah. the wording is so important when they're when they're talking about this or anything um, with insecticides and so yeah it was it was really interesting yeah and the one I think he set the stage well for the discussion that followed because he was pointing out that um, one option for EPA is they think about re-registering the products and maybe putting in language that would not ban them but maybe restrict or limit their use. Mm-hmm. One of the things that he suggested is um, they, they would have to be used in an IPM context. And that kind of makes sense in, the, uh, in that, well, at least for foliar neonicotinoids, the label was changed to say, um, do all these things to you know, protect bees from being exposed yeah. if you have to spray when bees are active in your field. But... Um, show that there's a reason why you're spraying. In other words, scout the field and show that you've reached some threshold. Keep record of that, mm-hmm. and that would justify the use of the product, which is what, <laughs> I saw your eyebrow go up. What, I think that would, 
I think what you would say is, well, yeah, that's what we've been saying farmers should do for years, right? Yeah, they have to demonstrate a scouting effort mm-hmm. and collection of pest density and, but, and have a reason to spray, demonstrate, you yeah. know, or justify why you're spraying. But this would uh, be uh, linked to the label, which now says mm-hmm. now you have to do this. This mm-hmm. is part of the legal use of the insecticide. Yeah. And that was, that was interesting because after he talked, the discussion was, about a bunch of stuff, but but I think coming from people in industry and, and at the universities were saying, well, how do you do this? And boy, did it did it become clear that it would that's a challenge. Yeah, I mean, for a few key pests, we have a good understanding of when it's a profitable time to spray. But there are a lot of other pests where it's your perception of injury, especially I think about like spider mites. Um, it's not so many mites per leaf or mites per stem or whatever. It's um, visual quality of the plant itself. And so my interpretation of that plant looks healthy versus, well, I think that one looks stressed. Mm. I mean, that's a judgment call mm-hmm. and it's not a hard and fast number. Yeah. And so that's when I, th- I think of the challenges of... Well, at least for soybeans. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. There may I, be for other crops, yeah. but, but then the question is, you know, how do you translate or even should you translate that threshold for another crop yeah. where you have the same pest or, or even just like defoliation, my perception of 10% defoliation. Mm. You know, I just think of like if we have to mandate a threshold for all these pests, that we don't even have thresholds for a lot of pests, but then sometimes it's a judgment call. And then who decides what is the threshold and <laughs> how do you get that to farmers? Yeah. I mean, these things are... Is it us with the prescription pad saying this is what it is? Yeah. In some states that, that happens. In some mm. countries that, that happens. Uh, it would be, oh my God, I'm about to say it. Are you ready for this? Drop it. A paradigm shift. <laughs> oh, no. That's like, a, that's like a buzzwords of five years ago. We were on Thank the 26th you. episode before he dropped paradigm shift. <laughs> oh, boy. Ladies and gentlemen, there will be a shift. But seriously, I mean, that's a... Uh, it would be a, a totally different way of pest management. To, to mandate or regulate, have have explicit record keeping. Yeah, yeah, and and who knows? It might reveal to many that the products that they're using may not be necessary. Because um, with corn, what did they say? Ninety percent of all corn is seed treated. I saw that in another. With spot. an insecticide, yeah. Yeah, ninety mm-hmm. percent. Mm-hmm. Is it really? Do we need it all the time? Yeah, yeah. Especially when soybean also is getting more and more. Yeah, I was surprised by the estimates I heard at a couple of different talks. It was like thirty to forty percent of all soybeans are seed treated with a, with the insecticide. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that was low, but I guess that is probably regional. They're talking about all soybeans, but all yeah. corn, all corn across the country. Yeah. Ninety percent. Mm-hmm. I'm starting to get tired again. Your eyes look. A, you need right. a. You need like an ice pack on your uh, face. <laughs> a <little> avocado dredge. <laughs> or avocado things. sandwich. Hmm. Uh, uh, yeah, just. Yeah. I, I'm getting like flashbacks to the meeting, and I mean it's exciting. It was exciting and interesting and all that, but it just. You know what I, I took away from the meeting? Um, we had a poster on our podcast. Oh yeah. And, well, that was on Tuesday. Yeah. 
Um, you, you, you sound surprised, but yet you are a co-author. So, um, but I had some people talk to me about the podcast, oh, yeah. and you know, I, I expect that people. I, I hope that people in Iowa are interested. I'm I'm thankful that people, you know, in the Midwest listen to it. But I talked to a lady from the Research Triangle Park out in North Carolina, uh-huh. and she said she wanted to learn a little bit more about soybean aphid, about the biology, damage potential, that kind of thing. So she was listening to our podcast, and she enjoyed it. Oh. <laughs> and so I thought I, I didn't think that people pe- would actually enjoy. That. Well, would want to listen to what I perceived as a somewhat. I mean, this is a really specific talk to- topic when you think about podcasts in the world, talking about soybean pests. That yeah. you know that it yeah. would have a, a reach beyond kind of the Midwest. Well, the, I, you know, the goal uh, for me is yeah, it's it's only one crop and you know one type of pest. We usually just talk about insects. So we we've talked about weeds before, but um, the goal is to sort of show how this is relevant to everybody. Yeah. Farmers, the people who work with farmers, and then just the general public, you know, to shed light on uh, topics that they might be hearing in the news that don't get fully covered or discussed. And if people are willing to sit for, or 25 minutes, we're at 25 minutes. Oh my God. Um, if they're willing to sit that long and just listen to us, prattle on yeah hopefully they'll learn something or they'll find it enjoyable i think so she said it sounded like we're having fun i like this this is fun yeah i, I like talking and and having people listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> oh. well maybe we can bring up some of the other highlights from from esa and uh, other podcasts yeah as we move along through yeah. the winter yeah because I, I, I just so, i mean that was sunday morning we yeah. have the rest of the whole time Wednesday. some really good things Fine. happening yeah All right. Okay. I think so. Okay. Thanks. Bye.